Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book Hook. Oh, my name is Holly and I'm joined as always by my dearest friends, not in order of dearestness, but alphabetically, Caroline. <laughs> hey, what's up? And Janine. Hey. How are you guys doing? Super awesome. Super awesome. Lee. Agreed. Okay. We're all doing super <laughs> awesomely. We're three weeks into school. We had meant to pot about this book a while ago, and school started. So here we are. We're going to get it out by the end of August, though. So we're good. Um, so yeah, Three Friends in a Book, that's the name of this podcast. And one of the things that we always like to think about, a quote that we like, and we have liked for quite some time now, is by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. It's so good. It is so good. And so this book, I feel like, I mean, I feel like all the books that we learn, that we have read, teach us something about what it means to be human or just to have more empathy for other people. But this book in particular, I think... um, I don't know. Maybe the same thing. Learned a lot about myself and others and developed more empathy for people who have who struggle with mental disease, mental illness. Um, so we read John Green's Turtles All the Way Down. Mm. Um, so I guess my first question, you know, we ended the last podcast by kind of saying, you know what? We're reading a John Green. Isn't he like a youth, a teen, teenage author? Um, what did you what, what do you guys think about? John Green, because I think we have read several of his books. Um, what do y'all think in particular about John Green? So I'm a fan. I came to John Green um, through a friend of mine who is always just always knows what's hip. Like she just always knows like different cool things, particularly on the internet. <laughs> um, and she uh, was like, you have to see this vlog brothers. Do you know about them? Knowing that I am a librarian in a high school, she was like, you know about them, right? And this was years ago and I did not. So that's how I was introduced to, to John and Hank Green through the vlog when they were in, in, in their time when they were not communicating except through the vlog. You didn't, that's, you didn't read a book. So then I read, after that, I read Looking for Alaska. Okay. I think that's the first one I read, too, and then Fault in Our Stars after that. I love Looking for Alaska. I do, too. Have you read Looking for Alaska, Caroline? No. I've only read, um, I've read The Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. and I, it was okay. I teach Julius Caesar, so that's why I read it. Yeah. The title comes from the play, and I like that. <laughs> but, um... What's the other one? Not looking for Alaska, but Paper Towns, or the abundance of and abundance of Catherines. Yeah. No, not that one. I don't. Um, I'm, I don't know that I've read any of his other ones. Um, but I, um, I enjoy him. I generally enjoy the things he has to say, and yeah. I think I enjoy the way he writes about important topics in ways that are. Um, comfortable and attractive for younger people for whom those topics are important yeah i think it's i think it's pretty cool he's got kind of got a little formula down a boy and a girl you know the best friend sidekick um it does make it accessible for sure um yeah i've read those i guess this is my third one that i've I've read by him however he also does um he has a youtube channel called um crash course 
Did you know that? Yes, yes. And I use that for my AP World class all the time because it's a his AP World high school history teacher actually writes the script and he introduces it, um, or not introduces it. He performs it. I don't know whatever it is, um, and it's uh, it's really 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 good. I really enjoy it, and the kids do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets to the point. Um, it makes a lot of connections and always ends with like a really good, um, you know, kind of a, so what, who cares in the end? Like, what does this matter? And, and we'll come back to this as we move on in, in history. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So we've established we're pro John Green. Pro John Green. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first thing that we want to start with is this, let's look at the title. So let's jump in with that idea that turtles all the way down. Caroline, what do you think about that? It's my favorite part of the whole book really um well i mean it's the essence of the whole book so of course it is like that that is kind of silly but whatever so the expression jump in here guys but the expression turtles all the way down comes from like a as best i understand it's like an old kind of philosophical anecdotal joke kind of thing and stephen hawking wrote about it most recently which is why it kind of was it's back like resurfaced thank you yeah back in circulation so the story goes like this um the um there is a scientist who gives a lecture in a big lecture hall and he's lecturing about how the earth was formed billions of years ago and he's being very scientific and explaining how eventually humans evolved um and he gives the presentation about the history of the earth and and all of that and then he asks if there are any questions and i guess the story is that there's an a woman in the back of the room who raises her hand and says, you know, wow, love the presentation. But the truth is that the earth is really flat plane resting on the back of a giant turtle. And he, you know, is kind of like, ha ha, that's really cute and funny. Then what's that turtle standing on? And she says the back of another giant turtle. And he says, annoyingly, you know, he's annoyed by then he says, well, then what's that turtle standing on? And she says, dude, you don't, you don't get it. The, the, the point is it's turtles all the way down. And, um, and so the main character, Aza, her hmm. best friend, Daisy tells her this story when she's ha, is talking about how it feels to suffer from a mental, the mental disorder she suffers from, which is OCD and anxiety. Yep. And Daisy tells Aza this story as a way of trying to give her an alternate perspective of how to view her illness and herself to try to find more happiness. And I love that Daisy tells her that story and she says, you know, I want this is this reminds me of a story my mom told me. And um, I heard John Green say in an interview recently that he's gotten nicer. He's been writing nicer parents since he's had children. And so as a parent, I appreciate that. There's some there's some good parental guidance, you know, that Daisy gets that from her mom and then yeah. shares it with her friend. And yeah. Yeah. It's a good model. Good model there. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps. It did help. She it, said that it, it kind of, it made her kind of, she, I think she described it as like a spiritual revelation for her to think of it in that way. Yeah. Because she, she had been saying, you know, that she's constantly trying to figure out who the real her was separate from her mm-hmm. disorder and... Um, Daisy's whole point is you can't find it. You can never yeah. find that. You're always looking for the turtles, turtles all the, the way down. Yeah. It's like a waste of time. Yeah. So instead of just, you know, embracing that your disorder is part of who you are so that you can find moments of joy, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, in spite of it. Yeah. Uh, and Asa takes that to heart and says later in the book that she, you know, starts thinking about that and thinking that maybe the scientist and the lady are both right. Yeah. And uh, it helps her a little bit, I think. Yeah. And her conclusion when it helps her is, you know, the science is real, but maybe life or truth maybe is um, also about the stories that we tell and by by the stories that we tell i think she means the stories we use to help us make sense of our our place in this universe which it can be overwhelming if you think about it too much like whenever i watch a an episode of um what's that scientist who wrote astrophysics astrophysics for no degrassi mm-hmm. did you say his name Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Ty- yes. Degrassi was the yeah. show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. But Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Sure. Neil deGrasse. Whenever I, I watch his show and he's talking about how we're really just, I can't, you know, the imagination of a something in another universe, it, it, it boggles my mind and makes, makes my head spin a little bit. Um, and so it is very centering and very helpful to think, okay, science, but also story. Yeah, because the science you can't control, but the stories you can control. Oh, smart. And I, 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 yeah, I believe that. But to me, I don't. Science, I, I, I can't control. But science, I don't have to control. Like, I don't have to understand that. Like, it's you know, other people can do that, <laughs> right? But the story is hard because you can control it. For the, in some instances, you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. are some things that are out of your control. Um, and to me, that's hard because you want to understand it. Science, I'm like, oh, you know, universe, gravity, you're good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll just believe that. But when it comes to your own story and your own struggles, um, you know, I think that can be tricky. You're very existentially sound that way. I appreciate that about you. Well, we're studying. I told you guys we're studying the book of Job at, at church. And that was one of the comments that came up is, you know, one of the Job is struggling with all this stuff and God says to him, dude, I created the universe. I did this. I did that. Don't you think I have control over everything else? And my problem with that is, yeah, dude, we got science. We got all this stuff. I don't need to understand that, but I'm really suffering. Like I, I am really going through this and that's harder to understand and to, and to deal and to, believe we have control over that yeah and that's what that's what's making Aza struggle so much I mean she she you know talks about wanting to thinking about wanting to die she talks about mm-hmm. hating herself yep. um, because she only sees herself as her struggle mm-hmm. and um, kind of can't can't reconcile that and it's hard to get yourself out of that mindset um, well and it, it affects all the relationship she has with everyone yeah you know, but most, most in this book, most particularly Daisy and Davis, who, um, who, as the as their relationships, like for example, when her relationship with Davis is growing, she can't. She is unable to um, have a meaningful relationship with him in the way that he wants to. Um, and with Daisy, she's aware. You know, Daisy calls her out and um, at some point in the book for being so much inside her, of her own head and yeah. says that she is a lot. Well, there's no way that Aza doesn't know that, that that's the case, you know, whether it that doesn't make her any more capable of controlling it. Yeah. I think may- maybe she knew that, but she didn't really understand it until she started reading Daisy's fan fiction. Mm-hmm. 
and saw one of the characters and not just, you know, saw herself in character, but saw Daisy's character and how she thought about her. And that was seeing yourself through someone else's eyes. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was hard. Can be helpful, but painful. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, man. I wasn't trying to be all, all negative. I know there's choice, but it's just... I'm a big believer in choice, but it's hard sometimes. Well... Life is life is messy. You can't choose away a... In, in Aza's case, she can't choose no, she away can't. her OCD. No. That that is not... So someone who might say, you know, well, just stop. Just stop doing it. Just stop worrying. And her mom kind of does say those things to her at one point and mm-hmm. it's kind of you know as a mother what do you say what would you know mm-hmm. so just you know buck up stop worrying it's going to be okay well you can't you can't choose that away but she can i think the point of that is that she can like start to work on the story she tells about it mm-hmm. um not being full of self-loathing mm-hmm. which which will help her just have a more pleasant experience. They use the metaphor. Y'all know this too, but my other favorite metaphor from the book is about the river. So the town they live in is, help me if you guys remember more detail than I do, but it's, it's a, you know, it's just kind of an average Midwestern town. Is it Indi? It's Indianapolis. Yeah, I think so. Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's um, but it's built on the, around or on the White River, which is just kind of a dirty, yucky river, and um, you know, at one point, Aza says she feels like she's the river, just this gross river that no one can navigate, and Daisy says. No, you're not the river. You're the city. You're our city. And that, you know, if you can build a, she says, like a B plus city on a C minus river, Mm -hmm. then that's pretty good. Like you do, you work with what you've got. You do, you take what you've got and you do the best with what you've got. And I think that's kind of a cool way of thinking about like, that's how you change the story. So I've got a C minus mental disorder that makes me feel you know feel like a c minus but if i can build a b plus life yeah mm-hmm. like that's that's really that's good yeah. it's not bad but then if you compare it with compare it with other people you start to get into trouble yeah so don't so just and it doesn't feel like, good don't compare it with other people right just don't <laughs> right choose that easier, easier choose, said than done <laughs> choose that get off facebook that's the first thing oh, you should yeah. do That'll help. That's helpful. All that stuff. So John Green always has these, you know, little, um, int- like like turtles all the way down, or um, you know, one in one of the books. It, it's he remembers famous people. The character remembers famous people's last lines. Um, and so, in this book, what what are, what all do we have going on in terms of like? So there's the mystery. Right in this book, there's this mystery that's tied up with Davis's father. Mm-hmm. Davis's father's gone missing, and Davis's father um, has a chuatara. <laughs> that he, that's a lizard. For those of you who don't know, who I had to look it up. He's leaving all of his um, millions fortune of dollars too because he believes that the chuatara holds the key to like defeating death. Yeah. Um, what's up with that yeah okay this shows you how I feel about the mystery part of the book I was underwhelmed I literally can't remember how it ends spoiler alert 
she found him in that tunnel. Well, or I know she, he's dead, but why? He went into the tunnel to hide, I think, mm-hmm. and just was, he was not, I, th- he was not murdered or anything, but I think he just died, yeah. just died there because he couldn't leave. I don't know. It is odd. Because I couldn't remember. What was he hiding from? Do we know? The police were looking for him. Okay. Right? Some some I fraudulent dealings. Although, right. So I, he was I, a shady businessman. I've um, also said that the the um, I was underwhelmed. That's a nice way to put it about the mystery aspect of it. But the mystery is important, as it, it turns important. out. That and I totally missed this, but you explained it to me, oh, Caroline. Just, and, um, I read it somewhere, but that um, well, her last name's Holmes, so um, there's a there's an allusion to Sherlock Holmes, and she Aza Aza Holmes makes a reference in the book about not being the genius detective Mm -hmm. that so you know Sherlock Holmes is this really troubled man who is suffering from any number of mental disorders um and but his but the way he's written his character typically is written as genius and genius because of some of the things that he suffers from. Okay. You know, like this, so the whole kind of stereotype of the troubled genius, I think is John, I think I'm right in saying John Green is very intentionally like, has said he's destroying that myth because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's so often hard for people who are struggling if there's this perception that um it is the the struggle that gives you the genius. Yes. And and we see that all the time. Like think of Homeland, for example. You know, the character the main character in the show Homeland has to go off her medication in order to be able to solve the terrorist yeah. plot. Um and so that comes up mm-hmm. over and over and over and I um, did read something where um, that John wrote about for Medium, where he talks about after the wild success of the success of the Fault in Our Stars, he actually went off his medication in an attempt to write his next novel, oh. and it was bad. It was not a good choice. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. You know, Asia kind of talked about she was talking with her therapist because she's trying to do things. You know, she does struggle with this. I mean major mental illness the things that she has to do to how would you describe it to function mm-hmm. going to therapy and taking medicine and how how she struggles with that of um you know what does she say if taking a pill makes you different like if it changes the way down you that's a screwed that's just a screwed up idea you know Who's deciding what me means, me or the employees of the factory that make Lexapro? It's like I have a demon inside of me and I want it gone. But the idea of removing the pill is it, r- removing it with the pill. What am I saying? But the idea of removing it via pill is is weird. Um, and she, she just... That's a great line. I wish we'd read that last Friday, actually, mm-hmm. with them. Because I think that gets to that other mm-hmm. passage, that other, that real me thing mm-hmm. and the turtles all the way down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. idea really, really well. Yeah. But she struggles because she talks about, you know, it's like she has a demon inside of her. That's how she describes it often. And then you take a pill to get rid of that demon. But is that, that demon's part of who she is? Right, but and then when tricky. you it it, it it so yes, it, this is super tricky. Um, but I do think the more we learn and the more we understand about the human brain, yeah. it starts to like 
the way serotonin receptors work. And it's it's interesting to think, oh, maybe someone is or maybe I am not as much of a jerk as I thought I was or or I don't I'm not acting like such a jerk. Maybe I just take in serotonin in an in a different in, way. In a way that um makes my day a little harder than yeah. other people. And I think that's where the, you know, maybe her mindset is coming from that stigma, right? That mental the stigma about mental illness that it's bad and wrong, but it's, you know, literally she cannot help it. And that's the way her brain is is wired. And that's part of what makes her think of herself as that C minus, right? Of, but to be a B plus, she's got to do the things to make herself, her brain fire, whatever, in a different way. And I think that the the um, I think that criticisms of medication have their place. I think it's super easy for people to walk into a doctor. Oh, yeah and be prescribed uh, a medication that um, is very mood affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for the most part, that's probably good that that happens relatively easily. But it does feel like, a, so I can see how, based on how quickly it happens that that maybe there's some room for some criticism about that. But I think the criticism is overstated. And I was really excited in um, one of the lectures we had by a neuropsychologist um, last week who talked about a a DNA cheek swab that would help prescribe medication. I looked looked that up. um, And I was going to, because I have a daughter who takes um, medicine for ADHD. And it's tricky to kind of figure out what is best for her. And um, a suggestion by actually that same neuropsychologist for my daughter was to use one of those to see what medicine would work best for her. So um, they're actually in practice. Like, it's like gene scope and gene sight. Um, I don't know for sure. Like they have legit websites and I was going to ask the pediatrician about, about that. That's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fascinated by that. I never heard of it until then. Yeah, me either. Um. Because and that's that's also I think one of the tricky parts with medis- medication for these types of disorders is that it's um, trial and error and I guess that's the case with all medicine yeah. really but it I guess just the way we've always talked about it my you know the way that culture has talked about it my whole life makes it feel different mm-hmm. and and I need to remember that it's the culture yeah not really. well there's so much newer. That, mm-hmm. You know, as just if you wanted to compare it with, let's say, like an antibiotic, using an antibiotic mm-hmm. to treat. I mean, there are lots of people who, for whom certain antibiotics work and other antibiotics don't work. Or you need, you know, stronger doses or the kind you get in the, like, real quick or the kind you get real slow. Or, yeah. or the kind that give you highs. You know, and and sh- t- but that, those have been around so much longer that so much of the trial and error, though it's still true person by person, it can it can be, right? And all this other medication is so much newer mm-hmm. um, that I think that is, you know, maybe maybe part of um, part of it. Yeah. All right, you guys, let's start to, to wrap this up. And you guys have any any final thoughts? Anything else you want to talk about? Well, just thinking about it, the book as a whole, and just all of it. One of the things that really stands out to me is the limit going back to the idea of the empathy mm-hmm. um and the limits 
language has. So, you know, we are the stories we tell, but um, somewhere in the book, John Green quotes Virginia Woolf, um, and it's, English, which can express the thoughts of Hamlet and the tragedy of Lear, has no words for the shiver and the headache. The merest schoolgirl, when she falls in love, has Shakespeare or Keats to speak her mind for her. But let a sufferer try to describe a pain in his head to a doctor, and language at once runs dry. And I think that we have to remember that. Just how I think that gets into um, the thing, what this book really did for me is in reading someone else's story, help me to remember, I know this, but help me remember that you never know what someone's going through. That's fantastic. I think that's a great way to to end our discussion. I mean, talk about trying to be better humans. There you go. That's how you do it. So read this book, y'all. It's an easy read. I think I've maybe read it in a day and a half. Easy in that it's quick. Yes, easy in that it's quick. Some scenes are a little tough. Hard. Yeah. Um, All right. What's uh, real quick? What else have you guys been doing? Reading, TV, movies? I've been super low on the reading. I have not read a speck in weeks um, outside of like preparing for schoolwork. I think it's, you know, everything comes in phases. So. You guys have spent a lot of time with this book. I mean, this you guys more than I have because of we did a big focus on mental health at our school the first week of school. I haven't been reading too much. I picked up a couple old some of my old favorite John Green books this summer and read a couple of those. John Grisham. Yes, John Grisham. Sorry. <laughs> what What are you reading? I reread Pelican Brief. I okay. love that one, and I reread um, the Civil Rights one. The client. No. no. The um. Oh my god! I'm reading one right now. The one in Mississippi. Something lawyer. Oh my god! What is the name of the book? His very first one. The firm. No, that's not his first one. I don't know. I'm reading the firm right now. The one where that little girl was killed and raped, and the two guys were arrested for it, and the dad killed. Oh my god! It's not something lawyer. (laughs) No, I don't know. I'm reading the one that's where the little kids in North Memphis witnessed the guy kill himself and oh I remember that one Uh, like I found a time to kill (laughs) sorry (laughs) got super excited I don't think I've read that one but I I literally just found this one I don't know what it's called but um I found it somewhere and so I'm like okay I'll read it and it's literally like been my I read about two paragraphs before my can't keep my eyes open you know Mm -hmm. so it's I'm gonna bring I you don't a, know that I'll actually finish it. I'll bring you a time to kill. It's really, I think it's different from all of the other books. I need something. I need something better. It's like, meh, I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, but it puts me to sleep. There you go. Fast. So, and I, I just, I have, I've been doing that, just something to read while I'm laying in bed with Anna Claire, and she's reading her books. I just haven't been very inspired to go out and find something. But Jean and I have, but we watched um, Sharp Objects this summer, the HBO series, the Gillian Flynn book. And it was cinematically very good. Like mm-hmm. the actors and actresses were so good, and the cinematography is so good, the music is so good. It's just a hard story. And I think it's a dumb story. I'm sorry, Gillian Flynn. <laughs> like I think there's some great parts to it, but overall, I remember being so super frustrated with the end of the book. And so kudos to HBO because I found the end of the series super frustrating as well. Yeah, it's very just like. I mean, we knew what happened. So mm-hmm. the animal just like, oh, okay. It's true to the book. Yes. Yeah. It, it stretches out some from the book. Um, That's But other good. than that, it's true. 
other than that, I've got nothing. I can't wait for um, what's that show I like with the with all the siblings? Mm. Parenthood. Mm-mm. No, this is us. Oh, this is us. Right. I'm looking forward to it starting back up. What um, about um? What were you watching at the end of the year last year that you liked so much about the theater teacher? Oh, Rise? Is it called? It's called Rise. I need to look up and see if it's coming back. I did enjoy that very much. I would love it if it would come back. Oh, you know what my family has been enjoying is um, Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman's um, Making It show. Oh, I've been I meaning to watch it. that. I did record it, but I haven't watched it yet. It is one thing that, you know, we're always looking for the thing that we can all watch together. Is she funny in it? So corny. She's so funny. And fun. Yes, funny. I think sometimes more corny than funny. Uh So I I giggle a lot. And Greg, there's nothing she can't say without my husband just like cry laughing. And so do they interact the way that they did on Parks and Rec? Similarly, not exactly the same because he is not fully that character yeah. you know so does maggie like it she does she she likes a good competition show I feel like if maggie likes it i'm down with it <laughs> um so what are we doing next we're gonna do something super popular right now we're, i just don't know how i feel about that but but we're gonna do it we're gonna do it but we're gonna read crazy rich asians by kevin kwan um that's been out for a while it's actually three books right isn't it three? It's a, it's a, it's a trilogy. And then we're going to take so. a field trip to see it, right? Yeah. We'll have to see it. Can we do our, we can include our trip to see it in the podcast. We can record time. ourselves in our live reaction. Please. <laughs> can we do that? Josie Campbell, you got to watch that. I feel like that would be a step up. Like, <laughs> is that our next level of podcasting? Do you know podcasting? how to do that? We no. can figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll just assume the sound quality won't be great. <laughs> Janine will fall asleep. I mean, just at least, like, we're, hey, guys, we're walking into the movie now. <laughs> right. Kind of thing. We'll get kicked out for fun. recording the movie. Y'all remember when we went, we went and saw um, Ocean's. Ocean's 8, and there were all those, like, little old ladies there <laughs> that looked like they were us, like, 20 years from now? We were like, we, we want to be like that. We are going to be like that. 20 years from now. It's going to be fantastic. We'll be in our 60s, and we'll go see movies together on a weekday at the Ridgeway. Barely 20 years from now. <laughs> Barely in our 60s anymore. Well, cash. Uh, yeah, I'll 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 need to wait towards the end of my 60s for that. I'm gonna work till forever. It'll, it's a long time before I'm gonna have a free Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> you know what? But you're gonna roll up the boulder cheerfully. That's my way, Sisyphus. <laughs> roll it cheerfully. Roll it cheerfully. All right, all right, you guys. Well, until next time. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy being you. Happy being human. Have more conversations with your friends. I love you guys. Oh, I get you, man. All right, bye.